Welcome to the next episode of Humans of SDU. Today we'll be speaking to Freddy uh, and he will take us all over his research uh, on intergenerational justice, uh, but we'll also get to his cooking skills. So, you know, listen to another episode we recorded under the umbrella of Merit Media. Welcome, Freddy. Thank you for joining us, even though it's online, which sucks. <laughs> but thank you anyway. Thanks for having me. So the the way we, I think, actually met was at a, at a Harry Potter quiz. Like for the first time, like really, uh, where we talked. And it was awesome because uh, I think if, if anybody listened to my episode, they know how much I really, really love Harry Potter. So it was awesome to meet somebody who can actually be helpful at the Harry Potter quiz. Uh, but yeah, it's been since there, uh, long time no see uh, because of the lockdown. You're also uh, working from home, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And and may I add, we, we did win uh, the quiz that day. So uh, no no flex, but... Um, Good point to make. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, was, that was important to add. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm basically uh, at home nearly 24-7 now. And um, I've just kind of restricted uh, my, my personal... Uh, yeah, my personal contacts very much to to a few in person and and most of them online. So it's a uh, it's been a bit of a calmer uh, winter than usual. And when Mishka said that uh, you're actually working from home, so could you tell us a bit more? What are you actually doing? Uh, so I'm I'm employed as a research assistant. So that means that I um, support uh, a professor uh, and a researcher in. Um, uh, in his work, um, and we're also working on a on a joint uh, joint project together on uh, on intergenerational justice in uh, the OECD. But also, there are some other tasks like uh, helping with preparation of lectures um, or some small uh, administrative stuff, and uh, yeah, and these kind of things. Okay, intergenerational justice. You will have to break it down. Yeah, you us. will have to elaborate on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. So usually when we talk about justice, we have to start from some kind of moral uh, standpoint. And um, no, no matter how you approach this, if you're, um, yeah, if you're more utilitarian, so people who say that the, the, the best outcome for the most people is, is what counts, um, or if you're somebody who's more focused on rights and freedoms, usually uh, all these approaches can to some extent value what we leave to future generations or how generations that are alive now treat each other because uh, the question that that matters then is um yeah who who is the pe who are the people who have the rights um so do we also consider people in the future to to hold uh rights that should not be uh, should not be violated or do we think that the f people in the future also belong to our uh, to our population so their welfare also matters and needs to be maximized um, and so the question there is um, obviously with topics like climate change um, and yeah government debt increasing mm, it's very hard to to make sense of how that could actually in in a lot of different moral yeah approaches be still reconciled with any kind of idea of justice between generations and um, so it's yeah it's it's a it's it's a bit of a complicated topic a lot of different aspects play in it um, 
from from the philosophy but also from the natural sciences e economy um, i think uh, does that help a little bit <laughs> definitely uh but is there any any particular topic within this this big umbrella because it's it's a really loaded uh, field uh is there something you are focused on in particular like for example you said uh, climate change or mm -hmm. yeah so we're looking at the policy side so policy outcomes and policy outputs so the first one being uh, what are the results of the policies and the second one being so the output just being what what are the policies themselves actually look like um and so we're focusing on four different dimensions so first of all on on climate change as a as an output of policy because it's also affected by it then on child poverty on government debt and then on an indicator which measures the the difference um and the ratio by which states spend money on the elderly person compared to the younger person so the cutoff line usually in political economy is at 65 um yeah so basically we're, we're looking at mostly social policy but also fiscal policy it's a it always branches out further than 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 you would hope for because it makes things a bit more complicated Master, can you tell us uh, maybe how how's your I don't know I don't know how to how to put it but how's your day look like or what is actually the thing that that you are researching you are like evaluating these policies or maybe mm. make some proposals on how to make them or yeah we're we're looking at uh, we're trying to to compare across OECD countries so the Organization of Economic uh, Cooperation and Development which has I think thirty seven countries now Colombia just uh, was just added last year and we're looking at 32 of those um, mainly because that's where we are living um, that's where the data availability is the best in the world um, and so we're comparing the, the different policy outcomes and outputs across these countries to see and to understand because there are great differences in it um, even across these um, highly industrialized or even post-industrialized societies why some countries are more focused on preserving the resources and the the welfare state for the future and others seem to be a bit more um yeah myopic so to say so more now oriented and and less uh and less sustainable again how did you how did you get to this topic like what what's what was the driving force to you know start researching researching this in particular so for me it was um for me it was that i was um, well the climate change angle of it it was always very interesting to me maybe uh yeah it's scientifically interesting but it's also uh out of survival reasons very interesting um to, to think about <laughs> uh, well i wish it was for everybody <laughs> yes uh that would that would be a dream um But so I did a I, I participated in a in a talent program on aging societies. So there was especially the um, the social policy aspect that was very yeah very pregnant in it. Um, and then in the in the in the work during this talent program, I was reading some materials um, from one of my professors who had developed this kind of framework with these four dimensions that I just talked about. Um, so with the climate change child poverty, government debt, and uh, social spending um, ratios. And I thought this is actually really interesting because the last 
time he he was working on this or was specifically using this was uh, with data from 2010. So I thought, okay, maybe we can branch this out uh, in, in my master thesis and add more data points to it and also apply some kind of a moral uh, analysis because whenever we talk about justice, we always have to state, first of all, what our principles are. And um, so what, what do we value? And so do we, yeah, what approach do we take to it? And so um, I obviously didn't just say what I thought is, is the right thing to do, but then I looked at different um, different approaches from, from the Kantian tradition um, and, uh, and, and roles uh, to, to try to apply them to, to this uh, big topic of, uh, of intergenerational justice. And yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a challenge also because I am not a trained philosopher, uh, but it was very interesting to me. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt this, uh, in my master thesis when I can actually still get supervision with that. And, uh, and it's probably the last time in my, in my life where I can just, yeah, research things out of interest without thinking too much about, uh, about the consequences. <laughs> and then you know, it, this this is what led to your position as a research assistant? Yeah, just, exactly. You just continued? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, now I work for, now I work for my uh, former master thesis uh, supervisor. And, uh, and because it's his, it was his, uh, yeah, his research framework, so to say, uh, that I used and um, and he wanted to to continue working on this, and he's always um, also doing some other related uh, research. For example, looking at um, not only how social policy and and resources are spread across generations from the welfare state, but also how uh, family transfers are directed into different uh, directions to young people or to old people, um, and how or how much um, there was a new paper coming out now, looking at how. Uh, parents uh, versus non-parents how much of a share uh, how much of a burden they carry in in our welfare state in our tax system um, and the short answer is parents uh, do carry a lot more um, even in countries like uh, Denmark and Sweden yeah I mean definitely you have the you have the the benefits right that they receive yeah yeah because it's um uh, because they they the idea behind this is that or the the intuition to uh, behind this why why you would look at this is because you think so parents um, do not only produce so to say um, in quotation marks um, children for their own pleasure and for their own gain because we do not longer live in a society where the family works together and they work all on a farm together and when when the parents grow old, they either die off because yeah, health wasn't that great <laughs> or uh, the, the, the children take over and they care for them. And it's this, yeah. this intergenerational contract that, that existed between families is, is now different. So, so? In, the, in the direction from working age to old people, it, it's, it's in the public. So that's why pension systems exist. But in the direction of who's taking care of the young people, it's mostly actually still in the families. And so this is the interesting part, but families also produce, so to say, children that, that benefit everybody in the society because they, 
pay social security contributions later, they innovate, they pay taxes. And so without making any moral judgments at that point, it was interesting to look at if we consider this, that parents don't actually take the whole benefit of it, of, of the child that they produce, then how much of a, of a higher burden in um, over their whole life do they actually carry in, in intergenerational transfers compared to non-parents? And it's nearly double that. Um, and so that's basically where the uh, political economy researcher stops and says, okay, I found out there's a difference in transfers between these two different groups. And now policymakers, philosophers, they have to make something out of this depending on what they think. Um, because obviously once we start saying, okay, this is unfair, then we have to say, why is it unfair? And what do we, we believe should be the goal here? Should parents be fully compensated or, um, or how do we argue this morally? Is this also a part of more, uh, how would you say, broad discussion? Because at least from my perspective, I've never, I've never seen this like, I don't know, in mainstream media or I don't know, in our country, in the Czech Republic. I, I'm not aware of any discussions uh, going this direction. So, no, or is it just a it's for the more, research? Um, well, actually, it's been popping up now in the pandemic um, more and more. I think because it became clearer for people how much more of a, of a, of a burden parents actually carry compared to non-parents. Uh, working from home when your children cannot go to school is a lot harder for parents uh, mm -hmm. than for non-parents. Mm, finding this concentration um, and being, yeah, because you have to work, but they're also there and they want your attention and they need your attention. Um, how do you do the homeschooling? Um, all these things. But yes, usually this, the idea of compensating parents or was more in a different tone it was more it was more discussion about what they call pro-natalist uh, policies so maybe i don't know if you heard this from across the border uh, in hungary there's there's been a large movement over the last years that that the government was financially encouraging families uh, or yeah couples to have more more children um, after a certain number of children you have a lot of tax benefits and so so and so so it was mainly more in this in this uh, direction in in the public debate that parents should get money in order to be encouraged to have children. Uh, mm -hmm. But so the the compensation or the the fairness was was less was less there. But it's actually getting uh, some traction now with yeah with COVID nineteen and uh, and everybody being forced to to yeah actually go back in the family because the the public system isn't working uh, when when yeah daycares and, and kindergartens and schools are closed. Hmm. Right. So That's interesting. Yeah. Rediscovering the old fashioned yeah. <laughs> lifestyle. Kind of, of course. Involuntarily, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no no physical labor involved, but do you think yeah. it will be affected like in the long term, even after after COVID? Whew, that's a good question. Um well, in Germany, they just added um, a clause to the constitution about children's rights. But I think that was planned before um, because there was a report about this commissioned by the government to find out what would be the best approach already in 2019. So it was definitely before COVID. Um, so that doesn't really have anything to do with that. And then 
I'm, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, so I don't really know how to in interpret these words, but uh, apparently they, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of weight that each of these words in the constitution carries when it comes to, to then applying them in, in, in courts. Um, yeah, it's always, it's always very, very complicated how much they actually would be prioritized as, as children and, um, and, and what that would mean for children's rights now that they're specifically mentioned in the constitution. But no, I, I don't know if, uh, if it would, if, if COVID has a, has a, will have a long lasting effect because there, there tends to be these things that we, we like to forget quickly about, about, uh, about, about things. So now we're going to say, okay, actually daycare is really important. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of countries in, in Europe, they say, okay, the first things that would open after a lockdown are sco schools or kindergartens. Um, but who says that maybe five years down the road, we, we already forgotten about it um, or not necessarily forgotten about COVID, but forgotten about why we think they're, why we, why we yeah. know they're, they're very valuable, but it will have very, very hard consequences probably on, on, on younger people because the, uh, the government debt has been increasing substantially in a lot of countries uh, in, in Europe uh, and all over the world. There's been some data uh, recently showing there is probably one of the highest jumps, uh, even higher than uh, than with the Great Recession 2008 and 2009. And so that there is a scenario where this is not a problem when interest rates on the financial markets are really low. And this is still the case at the moment. But But if only... If there's only a one or two percent percentage point raise in uh, in in them, then this would mean a very big financial burden on on uh, yeah coming generations or the current young generations who have to somehow pay this off. Um, and you can already see this in the EU; they established a, a a debt break, which means that governments have to to hold their debt in a certain range and. Of course, you can say, oh, this is actually good because, you know, it prevents further future generations from having too much debt to pay off. But it also means that the people who now are young, or the people who are now young, they have to live with the consequences of the people coming before them racking up too much debt because obviously the government can only spend so much money. And if you put a debt break on it, it's, it starts to look a bit more like a, like a zero-sum mm -hmm. game as long as you're not willing to maybe raise taxes from the from the wealthy um, if you if you're staying with the same revenue streams that you have and you put a debt break on it then somebody has to uh yeah sit out on it and and not get the benefits what strikes me from all this is that you have to that you have to be interested in so many areas of society to actually do what you do yeah. <laughs> Is there any like any of these fields? I know politics and then history, philosophy. Is there any any that you like really enjoy, even maybe as a, as a hobby, or is it just work related? Uh, it's no. It's it's actually uh, it's not just work related, and the answer is also not very simple. But it's basically <laughs> all of them. Um, so it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just I, I I like to be curious and and, and find out about these things and and. Either it's sometimes there's obviously overlaps because when I read things, 
about politics or economics um, history in, in my private life, they give me a better understanding of how the world works. And that would help me, or I hope so at least, in my, uh, in my work, because it's after all analyzing the, word, the world in, in, in some way, if we want to break it down into one sentence. But, and then obviously the other way around, for, for my curiosity, uh, I gain a lot from, from, from what I'm working on. And, and and a lot deeper understanding of of, of yeah of, of politics and of, of history than than I otherwise would have so I think there is definitely a, a a good a good benefit for myself that goes goes both ways I guess so your uh, let's say the hobbies are also related to your research if we can put it this way your employers must be very fond of you <laughs> yeah you're <laughs> <laughs> no, but how how does it feel actually to to move from studying at the SDU to to working there? I mean, you're working with your with your supervisor. Was there a shift in the relationship, or given that you know the the hierarchy in Denmark is basically non-existent, even in a workplace, like it's really flat? Was there was there a change in the relationship? I think. Um... I think the change maybe happened earlier before I started working um, in um, when I was writing uh, my master thesis because that that generated this this one-on-one um, space that you kind of need to build up uh, mm-hmm. a relationship that is not hierarchical. Mm. I think because if you're in, in classes, obviously the rules are very clear but it's but if you if your supervisor is good and 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 curious and 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 really wants to work with you on on your on your master thesis and the project then it's more a bit of a, mm-hmm. a sparing session when you when you have these supervision meetings because you you throw around ideas and 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 they 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 question you on on what you're writing about and you have to be prepared to to defend this or say okay i don't know about this but i know about this and how do we, do we move on from here so i think that that was kind of the integral part um yeah to build a good a good work relationship and obviously it's unwritten or it's actually written but uh <laughs> let's do it it's written <laughs> and, I, and i do what i'm told yeah it's written um but but it's it's not talked about and it's um and it's and it's working well yeah. i think um, that's good to hear yes yeah. yeah so you probably miss miss the office at sdu right uh well i i mean there is also benefits to to working from home i think it's it's this situation of 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 not having a choice and only doing the one thing because i think usually there's this sdu rule i think at our department i'm not sure if it's university wide but you su- you were supposed to be in the office three out of five days mm-hmm. and so you could do two days of home office mm. that was kind of yes yeah, sus- the rule was unofficially suspended all of last year even in the times where there wasn't a lockdown because people were saying okay well yeah. it's good if you stay at home so <laughs> We're not gonna uh, hold you to that, um, but I think it would be nice sometimes to be uh, to be in the office also, because then you can 
or if university was open because then you can actually go into the library and check out the books because now sometimes I would drive by there and, and collect a book from the library uh, window that's outside of the university building. Um, and um, yeah, I think uh, it, it would be nice to have a choice to go there. But but the good thing about working from home is that you <laughs> save on the commute. Yeah, fair enough. You can sleep in. That's that's true. Um, and yeah, a little bit, little bit more. Yeah, um, and you can you have your own tea, coffee, whatever uh, kicks you out of bed in the morning. Um, and you can have uh, a chat over lunch with your flatmates, and if you if you don't live alone. Mm. And yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 quite nice actually. So, so I'm trying to to f remember the good things about it because if you just think about oh this is so annoying, I can't go into the office, uh, and it's it actually sometimes it is more tiring to work from home. I'm not sure how or why this happens, but I've heard it from a lot of friends and colleagues, and also read some some articles about this that people tend to if they're only in home office they tend to be more exhausted. i think it's mental um, yeah well maybe when you, when you don't have like the separated yeah. environment okay here i work here i relax and it's all like meshed up into yeah sometimes when i'm very uh when, when, when i'm very focused i actually manage to 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 separate this so i um i don't watch netflix or movies on my on my desk and i don't eat on my desk in my room which i usually don't also do that often but and then and then it's mm -hmm. actually more a bit of a mental separation in 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 the in my physical space so that that my desk is is for work and everything else in the common area in our flat and my bed is not for work <laughs> but yeah it doesn't really work uh, we can we can try <laughs> so it's um yeah and and sometimes and we have we actually have some yeah, there's two meetings usually per week um with uh, a lot of other people from work uh, and one of them is all, is called lunch meeting so it, it started out actually when a while ago when when yeah COVID wasn't a thing yet so people would on thursdays in our uh, research center in the lunch break come together eat lunch and somebody would present a paper or yeah send it around before and then people would right. give nice. feedback on it so this is kind of Are you keeping this seminar. online this... and yeah so this is work this is happening online now and at first i thought it was it's going to be weird if i'm <laughs> a frozen pizza fresh out of the oven on zoom but it i, I asked around and and it's uh, and i saw other people eating so i thought <laughs> okay this is still a lunch seminar and it's in my lunch break from 12 to 1 so yeah. So how are your treating skills? Stay that way. Don't they put you to shame? You know, now when, now when you're on display. <laughs> no, I think um, I think my cooking skills are uh, are pretty good. Um, my my level of motivation is probably more <laughs> more the issue at most times, and and yeah, being stressed at. Uh, work but i also realized that i mean it's at first i thought okay i'm lazy uh that's why i'm not cooking at lunch then i realized okay also it's taking time and if i eat bread for lunch and some vegetables some raw stuff it's actually a lot easier to get mm -hmm. through the day because it's not so heavy 
especially when you're at home it's very easy to get tired uh, like actually tired uh, during That's the day and it's not not a good not a good idea to to well to i mean sleep at work. Um, why not <laughs> yeah well <laughs> well yeah i mean then you just uh, take an involuntary nap and then then work 20 minutes longer in the evening okay but um no, I think uh, it's it saves a lot of time to to not have a to not eat a, a, a lot of like a really warm, heavy meal, um, for lunch, and then just have something nice, warm, and uh, more, more cooked in the evening. It's uh, yeah no, but I think I'm I'm fine with my uh, with my cooking skills. It's uh, been uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the thing now that everybody says okay they always tell you because I'm I've been living as a vegan now for a year. Um, and yes, vegans <laughs> always tell you that they're vegan. Um, you made no li exception. Living <laughs> up to the stereotype, yeah. The reason this is uh, why this is relevant is because it challenges you a little bit if you don't want to live uh, a life, uh, yeah, full of bad junk food devoid of any nutrients um because that's what happens if you're a lazy <laughs> vegan um it's 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 a bit risky um don't do that i think uh then you're better off eating meat but um or at least cheese but if you're if you, if you really want to make sure that you get all your nutrients and 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 don't don't suffer from it uh then you should uh then you start reading up on things you you make sure that you have more diversity in your uh, legumes and vegetables and yeah lentils uh, beans all these different things and not only always pasta and rice but also bulgur couscous quinoa all these different things you just kind of like to experiment around a bit and also i as a consequence i noticed that my meals were less boring than than maybe they used to be um before although the thing is i think yeah because I haven't eaten, well, no, that would be a lie. So I, I've been a vegetarian since 2015. There were a few mm -hmm. missteps in between. Um, but basically, I haven't cooked meat since since then. And it's uh, so I don't really, yeah, it's kind of basically out of my memory because I started when I was uh, when I was 18. And uh, I mean, who, who cooks before they're 18 as a I don't think it's gender specific. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's a very fair point. Well, no, probably not. I mean, you can. I guess you can kind of assume with uh, with gender gender um, constructs and assumptions and families that maybe girls are more pulled in to help in the kitchen, um, not because they want to, just because it's expected by the parents. But I'm I haven't done anything any research on this or read up anything on this. Well, so now we may have just opened a new venue of research for you. So that's something you can take away from this interview. <laughs> I think I'm already too busy. Uh, I think there are people who are way more qualified to uh, yeah. uh, to work on this. Um, even though it is it is relevant, um, the, the the gender angle in in our field as well, especially in this thing that I just mentioned earlier about the the extra burden that parents uh, carry, because there's also another angle to it. It's uh, a lot of the parents are mothers and um, evidently and mm -hmm. oftentimes also single mothers. And so, and so they usually also carry an even heavier uh, burden. 
then uh, yeah, then. <laughs> but just That's actually, nice term. Uh, just a, a quick uh, a quick uh, side note here. Uh, a, a good finding is that in countries like Denmark and Sweden, the uh, the poverty reduction rate for single mothers is is extremely high. So that means that you compare the counterfactual. So kind of what would you have earned without taxes and transfers? So without paying taxes, but without getting getting any support from the government to what you have in the end. And so this rate for single mothers in Denmark and Sweden is around 90% or even higher. So that means that out of the people who, if if we would have kind of a, a pure market economy with no taxes and, and no welfare state, then most of the single mothers would be probably be poor. Um, but yeah, but yeah, only 10% of them or less actually um, live in, in, in some form of poverty mm-hmm. uh, compared to that. So that's uh, quite, quite good. And the, and this rate is, is, is a lot lower in, in the US and Britain, for mm-hmm. example, but even also in Germany. So there's something that yeah. these countries that's are doing. quite an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So shall we yeah. move to the last last question? Go for it, Mishka. Yeah, you've yeah, and a lot of the topics that we covered were a bit more heavy and, and must be kind of, you know, demanding to, to research them. But what is the one thing that kind of helps you get through life more easily? What is your life hack? complicated i think Hmm. okay so so a friend of mine taught me two kind of yeah rules of thumb or or i I don't know maybe mantras you could say um because I'm, i'm only just kind of getting into 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 this stoic um approach or philosophy i started reading just a very little so i i can't really comment that much on it but some parts of the things that my friend took from it the first one was if you if you're in a situation in any kind of situation it helps for you to compare it not to what would be the best outcome but to compare it also to all the different Mm -hmm. kinds of outcomes that could have been and a lot of them are a lot worse. Um, and so obviously this doesn't mean, okay, be happy with what you have because it could have been worse, you know, don't complain. But it's more of a thing to to tell yourself, okay, I'm not bad at this necessarily. Life is not going to shit. Um, and it kind of calms you down a bit to take perspective and, and look broader around you and not only look up and compare yourself mm-hmm. and how far you're down. Um, and... And the second one is uh, it's it's good to have some kind of a some kind of a goal, um, but that doesn't necessarily have to be. It doesn't necessarily have to be. That, 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 that uh, sorry, <laughs> at least that's how how I interpret it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a goal like I want to have this job or. I want to live in that city. I mean, actually, I live, want to live in that city. That might be actually quite a nice goal, but it, it doesn't have to be that high. Um, it can be, okay, I want to 
by the end of the, the month or by the end of next month, I want to have accomplished this or that. Um, but I also like to believe that it helps to not take too many goals on. I think that was something that happened in the first wave of, of, of Corona when there were all these challenges on the internet and you think, oh my God, yeah. how, how are people doing this? And well, it's because most of the people in the challenges, they're mm -hmm. only doing that one challenge. And if you're looking at all of the challenges and you're thinking, oh, they're all so interesting, uh, it's not going to work out for you because it's just way too much stress. Like I'm not going to be able to um, sleep every day, eight hours, <laughs> do yoga every day, uh, meditate um, every day, uh, cook a, yeah. a healthy meal every day or something. Okay. I mean, I hope that that kind of should be included, but you know, there should be also yeah. the, the allowance <laughs> for a bit of junk food. Um, no, I think yeah, small, small goals or something to look forward to. Um, they, they kind of yeah brighten, brighten your horizon. And maybe in some weeks, uh, that's only just because you know that next week there is going to be a, a new yeah, episode yeah. of your favorite TV shows <laughs> or a new season because that's how they are uh, rolled out at the moment. They're not in episodes, but in in whole seasons. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's a very a very small and, and low-hanging fruit, I think, uh, for for kind of a, a goal and mantra okay. uh, yeah. sort of thing. Right. Okay, so thank you for inspiring us. <laughs> we can take these two mantras up as well. Yeah, and, and thank, thank you, you for, very joining much us. for joining us. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much for having me. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, you can just listen to the older ones you have missed or check out our social media. Bye!